You can tell it's Christmas when there's a platform in the pulpit for a little kid. There we go. Otherwise, I would have been really tall today. Good morning. And you know, we, it is a time of year of waiting. And, and you can maybe think of times in your life where you've been in a period of waiting, expectation, longing for what is ahead, whether it be a, wondering if you're going to get the gift you were longing for, whether it be waiting for an event or a job opportunity to come through. And I, I was thinking about a time this week for me that was a time of waiting. Uh, you know, nine months in some ways is a long time to wait, except if you're a dad trying to prepare for a child. And there's a lot to do and a lot to help get ready for. And, and we were waiting, waiting and waiting. And We'd done this before. We kind of had the routine down. We knew the Lamaze thing and how to breathe and my part as a coach and my, uh, my, my job to say yes, dear, whenever possible and, and do everything possible to make life good for, for my dear wife, even if it meant running out to get food in the middle of the night. It would be important because we were in a period of expectation and waiting. We also had a date and we knew the date. The date was going to be January 26th was the time when our second child would be delivered by C-section. We knew that would be the route we'd have to go. We had that all planned. We knew exactly when and where it was going to be at Lutheran General Hospital in Park Ridge, Illinois. I knew it well because I'd often go and visit people there as a pastor. It was near our home and near our church. And I remember even every time I'd go to visit somebody, I'd kind of walk through the lobby and say, January 26th, we're going to be walking through these doors to have our second child. That was the plan. That's what we were waiting for. Now, knowing how I'm wired, that was the date. There was no reason to paint any baby's room. There was no reason to get that all squared away because after all, we had plenty of time until January 26th. And after all, I'm a pastor. You've got to get ready for Christmas. Your focus is on getting ready for Christmas, and there's a lot to do. So that's where I was preparing, and that's where my mind was. So much so that, that we were excited to uh, get through Christmas, as sometimes is the case, in order to go spend time with family in Michigan. And we had our bags packed on Christmas, uh, getting ready for right after Christmas Day worship at 10 o'clock. We had the bags packed, the car loaded. We were going to get out of Dodge and head on up for that five-hour drive to land at, at Grandpa and Grandma's house. That was the plan. That's what we were waiting for, to celebrate a time of waiting of a grandchild that was about to come, but that was a long way off yet. That was over a month away. So our waiting was to get out of Dodge, to go to Michigan. You can imagine then how my plan of waiting was disturbed when after church on Sunday or on that morning, whatever day that was, I think maybe a Thursday, and my wife pulls me aside after the 10 o'clock service and says, honey, I think my water broke. Now it's Christmas Day. And I looked at her and said, you're not supposed to have that baby until January 26th. We're going to Michigan, honey. And you know what? We'll figure it out when we get there. Let's go. It's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine, don't you think? And, and uh, as we're walking out, there was a friend of ours who's a nurse, and, and we said, you know, we probably should tell somebody, we think maybe her water's breaking. And she says, you're calling your doctor. And I said, no, we're going to Michigan. She's like, no, you're not. And that's exactly what the doctor said. You're not going to Michigan. You're coming to the hospital, and I'll meet you there. And it was that night, 
after eight episodes of trading spaces that Katie was born. Not quite what we expected, but it was what we were waiting for. And you know, when you're waiting, when the time comes, may we never miss it because it's a big deal. You know, we are familiar as we've been studying in God's word, there was a waiting going on and it was a really, really big deal. God's people had been waiting for hundreds of years for God to again speak, for God to fulfill the promises he had made from the prophets of old. Promises of a savior, promises of a Messiah who would come and would set things right and they had been waiting for it. The expectations were off the charts, but they'd been waiting for so long in many people's eyes and thoughts, maybe it would never come. Very likely many had given up hope of ever seeing the expectations fulfilled. But we find that there was one that had been waiting and actually had been revealed to him that he would see with his own eyes the Messiah. His name is Simeon. And we pick this up in Luke chapter 2. We're kind of fast forwarding beyond the birth of Jesus to an incredible, incredible moment that that brings about this fulfillment. We see in Luke chapter 2, and starting with verse 21, it says that on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, that is the baby, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now that's the setup. And and what's kind of confusing here, if if you've not read this before or familiar with it, and I I wasn't completely familiar until I was reading up on this, learning it again, is, you know, first of all, on the eighth day, of course, is the eighth day after Jesus was born, he was circumcised, and that would have been common, uh, Jewish practice of his day, and and according to the law of God, going back to Abraham, Isaac, and, and the promises of God over his people, And so it happens that he's circumcised. He's named Jesus, the name the angel had given him. And just like John, his cousin, uh, that name that the angel had given is the name they named that child, Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. But then we get to verse 22, and it sounds as if this is one and the same event, and it actually isn't. Um, These are two events and three different uh, rituals, you would say, or, 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 or... observances of the law that we see Mary and Joseph following through on from God's word. When we get to verse 22, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, that time period would have been 40 days after Jesus was born. Um, And he being a boy, it would happen 40 days after the birth that that Mary would need to go through a a rite of purification. Um, If it had been a girl, it would be 80 days. And, and we get this out of Leviticus chapter 12. You can read, it's fascinating stuff later today where God lays that out a, a really, and there's a lot of uh, Old Testament imagery here connected with blood and, and the, the descendants and, and the promise that God would bring about all tied into this. And it brings them to Jerusalem. Um, and if you will, this is, this is the center of attention. God's people were looking forward to the day 
where God would do what he promised, where he would act. And they had a sense it was going to come out of Jerusalem. There was something special. God had shown them again and again throughout Old Testament history that the, the tabernacle and then, then the, the, the temple that was built would be the center of God's activity. That that would be the fulfillment. That from the temple would come that answer to their longings. Things were kind of messed up though in those days. Uh, with Roman occupation and, and the temple being the center of their faith and the place where they would come and worship three times a year, uh, there was that expectation out of the temple. But it had been messed with. Um, as Roman occupation took over, there also was a problem, and that is that a lot of people's debts and, and, and accounts were held at the temple as well. And, and what would happen is often rebels would break in and, and actually burn accounts so that this, this center of money exchange was also centered in the temple. And that's often why what Jesus later would say, you know, you've turned my, my house into a, a, the den of robbers, as Jesus would later accuse. It really had become a corrupt place. But over that backdrop of frustration and, 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 and messed up circumstances, God still was going to reveal a promise in this temple. And it was there in this vast campus, you might say, a 35-acre complex that it happens. Mary and Joseph go there for the purification. Um, it says later that they bring what, what amounted to two young pigeons or a pair of doves according to the law, which normally you would bring a lamb to be sacrificed. But if you were really poor you would bring two birds. And, and we have a glimmer of, of a circumstance here of who they were and where they were at economically. They were very, very poor. They were not well off as a couple. They were struggling. And they go there according to the law to fulfill what the law said. And it says they're, they, they're there at the temple. They're there in Jerusalem. And you want to talk about circumstances and fulfillment. And it says there, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and he was devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And moved by the Spirit, he went to the, to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law that was required, Simeon took him into his arms and he praised God. What an amazing situation and circumstance. I've heard it said that this is not a coincidence, certainly not, but even to think of what are the chances, if you were to just do the math on this, what would be the chances of Simeon being in the right place in the temple on the right day in this huge complex, 35 acres, to run into Mary and Joseph in this baby at just the right time. And yet God was orchestrating this meeting, something that he would prepared Simeon for and revealed to him uh, through prophecy, through revelation, that he would face and, and see and place his eyes on this Messiah. What a beautiful picture this is. Um, I've heard it said, you know, this is this whole circumstance, and um, John Ortberg writes this, and, and, and this is fascinating to me. He says, now these may look like kind of rituals to us going through the Old Testament laws here, but they're really about what happens when heaven invades earth. Circumcision, this incredible gift and picture of being in covenant relationship with God, 
being given a name happened in the temple because it means I have an identity before God. Being consecrated to the Lord means I've been given a purpose from God. And the offering of sacrifice happened in the temple as a picture of being forgiven by God. See, it's not accidental or coincidental that for many centuries acts like these took place in the temple because the temple is the place where heaven was invading earth. And when heaven invades earth, these amazing things happen. Sin gets forgiven. People get purified. Nobodies become somebodies. People get a name. Outcasts enter into a covenant relationship with God. Human lives are given divine purpose. They're commissioned. Israel loved this thought. It's part of why they loved the temple. But they were waiting for the day when God's Occupy the Earth plan would begin and expand beyond the temple. And so it is this day that Mary and Joseph enter into the courts of the temple. And so it is that day that they come into the presence of a righteous and a devout man named Simeon. What does Simeon do? Well, Simeon takes the baby into his arms. This is what you do when you see a baby. You think about it. God has come to earth, and Simeon, in his life's longing and expectation that he would be given this opportunity to lay eyes on Messiah, is given the gift not to just see, but to hold. Hold God in his arms. And what do you do in that moment? What do you do when you're holding a baby? Well, you sing. And Simeon sings a song. And here's what he sings. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, so now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In other words, he says, Lord, dismiss me. I, I, I'm, I'm good to die now, Lord, because my life expectation, my longing has been fulfilled. My purpose is right here. I hold God in my arms, the promise that was to come and now is. Some comment. Commentators have mentioned that, you know, before this faith was based on longing for expectation of what would one day come and that hope of that promise to be fulfilled. And ever since this day when Simeon holds this child in his arms and the birth and the coming of Messiah, now faith becomes all about following the one who has called and chosen us by name because the hope has been fulfilled. And what is that hope? It's a hope for light, as we heard that longing and that testimony in the Old Testament from Isaiah, that people once who were in darkness, people like you and me, who once were in darkness of sin and, and failure and, and emptiness and brokenness and saying, Lord, I'm tired of doing life by myself. Is there more to life than this? And God says, yes, because the longings of your expectation have been fulfilled. God has brought that light and it's a light of revelation that comes through the word of God to the Gentiles. And, and here's a great verse. I want to read this to you. Another prophecy that tells of it from Isaiah 49. He says, I also will make you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. You see, this message isn't going to just stay in the temple. It's going to go beyond that. You know, this same one that that Simeon would hold that day and, and sing an incredible song 
would also be one who would grow. And one day would declare without apology that he would destroy the temple and build it up in three days. And those that heard it said, hey, this is heresy, this is hypocrisy. How can this man make such a claim? He's being unholy. And yet, what he was talking about was his own body. The temple of God now rested in human flesh, no longer in a building. It had been transformed and transferred to a person that now becomes the presence of God to people. A person that could be spoken and heard. A person who could touch A person who could have his presence be where people's hurting lives were. And that's exactly what that temple would do and become. Jesus would go to where people were and he'd bring his presence to them. In fact, that same temple would be pierced. It would be destroyed as that prophecy and that promise would be fulfilled. Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will build it up in three days. And that's also why Simeon would say it. He turned to the child's father and mother and and he says to them, Mary, to his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. In the beauty of this moment, and you got to believe Simeon didn't want to share this, but God had given him these words. He needed to speak them is that your soul will be pierced too. Meaning that as a mother, one day you will see this child die. This is uh, an image and a prophecy of that day when that child would go the way of a cross for the sin of the world. He would be sacrificed. His blood would be shed. And Mary would be there and her soul would fear the pierce, or feel the piercing because the temple would be destroyed. But God would raise it up. Jesus' promise would be fulfilled. See, the temple had invaded earth. And when the temple invades earth, when God's presence comes through it, you see, lives are changed. Sins are forgiven. Atonement is made. And we're never the same again. Because when that temple goes the way of a cross, we're never the same. When God rises from the dead, we're never the same. When heaven invades earth, But it doesn't stop there. Because God would send that spirit into the hearts of his people as well. And as Jesus became the temple of the presence of Almighty God, when that spirit then through the calling in baptism in the Pentecost, and that spirit through God's word is received in the lives of people and their hearts are changed, guess what happens? God says of us, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit that is in you? We then become a dwelling place of Almighty God to go and share the good news that God keeps His promises. Promises are fulfilled. And we have reason to sing. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel.
Strength and consolation 